0: Hello, I'm Gloria DeFoley, and here are your obituaries for today's Des Moines Register. William Frazier. William Fraser, 93 of Des Moines, passed away at his home on Thursday, April 30th. William was born August 27th, 1926, son of William and Bird Cotton Frazier. A private burial will be held at Glendale Cemetery in Des Moines. Glenn William Frazier. Glenn William Fregier passed away on April 26th from complications of COVID-19. He was born November 26, 1938, to Glenn and Mary Frazier. Glenn and Judy Matheson in 1960, they were married. 57 years, she preceded him in death. Glenn enjoyed 40 years at Merrilliff Publishing, retired, and began a consulting business. He and Judy enjoyed traveling the world and golf. He donated his body to science and will be cremated. A memorial celebration will be held at a later date. Donations in Glenn's name may be made to the Alzheimer's Association or Southern Poverty Law Center. Brenda Ann Morsch Hag. Brenda Ann Morse Hag, 57, of Altoona, passed away Friday morning, April 24th, at Mercy One Johnston Hospice Care after a long battle with cancer. Born February 16, 1963, in Bloomfield, she was the daughter of Garmin Albert Morse and Judith Ann Hawkins Morse. She married Philip Michael Hag on April 29, 1989. She graduated from Davis County High in 1981. She was baptized in the Pasture Pond by bon- Donaville Baptist Church, and she was a graduate of Indian Hills Community College and attended Faith Baptist Bible College. She loved working at Centennial Elementary until her retirement in 2018. Brenda was an inspiration to her friends and family with the strengths she displayed during her long battle with cancer. She was a compassionate, strong and loving person. She had a very competitive personality, especially when it came to dominoes and card games. Her artistic gifts was something to envy. She loved doing arts, crafts and baking she enjoyed gardening, watching the birds and her flowers bloom. She loved spending time with her family and being an amazing grandma to her grandson. She was the type of person who always put others first, going above and beyond when it was asked of her. For her friends and family, she was so loved and is already greatly missed and is forever in our hearts. The interment of ashes and celebration of life will be determined at a later date. Robert Biddle Robert Biddle, 85, of Johnston, passed away on Wednesday, April 22nd, at Methodist Hospital in Des Moines. The family will be having a private service due to the current state of Iowa restrictions on COVID-19 for social gatherings to an immediate family of 10 people or fewer. Memorials may be directed to the food bank Robert Lee Biddle was born, Des Moines, in June third, nineteen 1935. He was the son of Claudia and Ruth Biddle. He attended school in Des Moines Community School District, graduating from the Des Moines East High School, class of 1954. He attended Grandview University, where he continued to play basketball. He was all-city and all-state basketball player. On June 14, 1955, Robert was united in marriage to Maxine Crawford of Kirksville, Missouri. They had lived in Des Moines until 1976, and then they made Johnston their forever home. Robert had worked at the Des Moines Register until his retirement. He enjoyed ragbry hunting, and any kind of sports. He would be remembered as a good-natured, kind, friendly guy who never knew a stranger. Molly Comito Amelia Molly Comito was born March 4, 1930, to Frank and Rose Comito in Des Moines. She had five sisters and one brother. Molly died peacefully with her rosary in her hands on April 30th. Molly was a go-getter in all things. She was proud to have traveled the world. Morocco was her favorite place to have visited, and she wished she could have gone back. She worked at the Meredith Corporation beginning in 1966 and was loved by everyone who worked with her. She officially retired in 2014. She lived alone and mowed her own yard until last summer. Molly was an avid shopper. She loved a good bargain. A garage sale always deserved a good look, and a Yonkers yellow dot sale was never to be passed by. She loved to shop for those she loved. She knew you were loved if you came home to a package on your front step or there was a honk in your driveway to come out and see what she couldn't pass up on your behalf. Molly was a great baker and always had a fresh batch of chocolate chip cookies to share with those who stopped by. She enjoyed a good dish of Neapolitan ice cream. She never came to a family function without a tray of her famous deviled eggs. Memorial contributions can be made to the Food Bank of Central Iowa because Molly never wanted a child to be hungry. The family wishes to thank Dr. Dan Broker and his staff and the staff of Every Step Hospice for all their compassionate care during Molly's all of Molly's nine lives. A big thanks to the staff of Brickford of West Des Moines for loving and caring for Molly, especially when she could not due to COVID pandemic. Due to the 10-person gathering limit, Molly's memorial service will be live-streamed on Tuesday, May 5th around 11.30 a.m. from Dunes Chapel. A link will be shared shortly before 1130 at the top of her obituary on the Isles Funeral Home website. Ruth Brown Ruth Brown, 91, passed away April 30th at Bishop Drum in Johnston. She was born in Templeton on January 22, 1929, to Joseph and Martha Roth Herthaford. Ruth was the third of the youngest of 11 children. She attended school in one-room schoolhouse also Sacred Heart Catholic School in Templeton. She then went to cosmetology school. She met Leroy Brown on a blind date at Riverview Amusement Park. They were married in 1951 at Sacred Catholic Church in Templeton. Ruth and Leroy were married for 58 years until his passing. To this union, there were five children born. Ruth was a homemaker, and worked for over 35 years for the Des Moines Public School System as a lunch lady. 29 of those years were at Madison Elementary, where she retired at the age of 80. Ruth enjoyed square dancing, baking cookies. There were always plenty of fresh chocolate chip cookies, and also plenty in the freezer. Gardening, canning her garden, cooking, and traveling. She cherished spending time with her grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Ruth was a woman of strong faith, and she never missed Sunday Mass. A private Mass of Christian burial has been held. Memorial contributions may be directed to All Saints Catholic Church of Des Moines. Robert of Ox. Robert of Ox, 88, passed away on April 29th. Bob was born to Tommy and Margaret of Ox on November 21st, 1931. Along with his older brother Don, he grew up in Urbandale where he has been a lifelong resident. After graduating from Urbindale High School in 1951, he joined the U.S. Army. Before deployed to serve in the Korean War, he married his childhood sweetheart, Donna Callis. After being discharged in 1953, Bob and Donna started their family and built their home on 72nd Street in Urbindale, where they raised their five children. They hosted annual 4th of July backyard picnics for family and friends and countless cookouts around the backyard fire ring. Bob was a member of the Covenant Christian Church in Urbandale, where he enjoyed singing in the choir and looked forward to the monthly breakfast outings with the men's group. His hobbies included working around his yard and tending to his flowers, a vegetable garden. He also enjoyed woodworking and taking long car rides. No services are planned at this time. Memorial contribution can be made to the Michael J. Fox Foundation, Food Bank of Iowa, or Covenant Christian Church. Bob's family would like to thank the staff at Bishop Drum Retirement Center and Mercy One Hospice for all of their kindness and care and compassion. Eugenia F. Dolski. Eugenia Dolski of West Des Moines passed away on April 25th. Eugenia was born in Skull, Poland, on May 12, 1924, in Stagslaw, and Maria Swartz. Jeannie left Poland for Austria during the later stages of World War II, joined the Polish Red Cross, and served in northern Italy before being transferred to England in 1946, where she met and married her husband Leon in 1949. They immigrated to Iowa in December 1951 and settled in West Des Moines in 1956. Jeannie was an excellent cook who was always well known as the Lady in the Window, from the sixties through the eighties at Curso Pizza, formerly at Ninth and Grand in West Des Moines. Besides working in her kitchen, Jeannie loved to dance, like to exercise, and go for the Sunday drives with Leon. Jeannie was most loving mother and grandmother that always looked forward to family gatherings, especially during the holidays. There will be a private visitation Wednesday evening, May 6, at McLaren's Rest Haven Chapel in Westmore. A private funeral mass will be held Thursday, May 7, at Sacred Heart Church. Interment will follow at Glendale Cemetery. In lieu of flowers, memorial donations can be made to Sacred Heart Church. Romor Frederick Volkerts. Romor Frederick Volkerts grew up in Corsica, South Dakota son of Roy and Mary Folkerts, and brother of Elaine. Fred was a fine all-around athlete, but especially enjoyed baseball. He was captain of his high school baseball team, then went on to win the South Dakota State B Championship game in 1950. After a stint in college, Fred returned home to discover how lovely and interesting Jean Ploester had become, and they married in December 1953. A brief baby born resulted in the arrival of daughters Rachel, Nancy, and Julie. Fred was full of energy and optimism, always ready for a new adventure, camping, rock hunting, reworking buildings into creative stylish homes. Fred happily pitched in many ways and in many community projects, volunteered fireman coach, service club member, Sunday school teacher, reluctant choir member, and many more. Never afraid to pull up stakes and curious to see the world, he'd seen in picture books. In 1973, Fred announced to his family that they were going to Africa. Sure enough, Fred was speaking Swahili within the year and working with people in the Congo and Kenya on various projects. Fred was naturally the life of the party at family gatherings and had an ease with meeting people. In his last years, even with Alzheimer's, He didn't lose his winsome ways. People loved him. Fred took a big swing at life. Mary Lucille Graves, formerly of Des Moines. Mary Graves, formerly of Des Moines, passed away April 29th at Halsillian House in Washington after a three-year battle with dementia. A memorial service will be held at a later date. Memorials may be directed to the Central Methodist Music Department in Fayette, Missouri. First Baptist Church in Des Moines, or the Mennonite Church in Des Moines. The Jones and Eden Funeral Home is assisting the family with the arrangements. She was born December 15, 1933, to John C. and Leanna Watson Graves in Grower, Missouri. She attended school in Grower, graduating from Grower High School in 1951. In the fall of that year, she entered Central College in Fayette, Missouri majoring in music education and graduating with honors in 1955. She taught briefly in Canton, Missouri, and Walnut, Iowa, before entering Drake University, where she graduated in 1959 with a master's degree in music education. She was proficient in piano, as well as trombone. Mary Lou taught both vocal music and band in the Seydell Elementary Schools for many years, retiring in 1994. Mary Lou took an uncommon interest in all her nieces and nephews. She introduced music and musical instruments to many of them, and took some on long and short trips. She became famous for her applesauce, which she would share at Christmas, and her quote-unquote train cakes. In addition, she sometimes would take a struggling child under her wing with some kind of special attention. Mary Lou was a member of First Baptist Church of Des Moines and a good friend of the Mennonite Church. She was also a member of, for several years of the Des Moines Women's Club. She enjoyed traveling with friends and family, visiting various countries in Europe and South America, Russia, and many parts of the United States. Music was an extremely important part of her life. She enjoyed teaching, folk, dancing, and played in several ensembles in the Des Moines after her retirement. For several years, she traveled to Florida to play with the Windjammers, a volunteer circus band whose performances included those with the Sailor Circus in Sarasota. Even when her eyesight began to fail, she was still able to play a couple of numbers, which she had memorized in many concerts. The family wishes to thank the staff of Hustley and House for their compassionate care in the last year or so of Mary Lou's life. Jesse Aarons Jesse Aaron's 44, of Des Moines, passed away April 28th. A family graveside service will be held Monday, May 4th at Glendale Cemetery. Extended friends and family will be invited to gather to celebrate his life at a future date to be announced. Jesse was born May 1st, 1975, at Ellsworth Air Force Base in Rapid City, South Dakota, to Donnie and Cheryl Smith Ahrens. He grew up in Des Moines, where he graduated from East High School. He began working for Polk County while attending DMAC and eventually made his career at the Polk County Recorder's Office. Jesse attended Park Avenue Christian Church. He was an avid Green Bay Packer, Chicago Cub, and Hawkeye fan. He occasionally played golf, but especially enjoyed any time in the water, including swimming, boating, and scuba diving. He was devoted to his two sons and loved sharing these experiences with them. Memorial contributions may be directed to O'Donnell and French Charities of Des Moines. Donald Eugene Archer, Jr. Donald Eugene Archer, 63, passed away on April 30th after a short battle with cancer. Visitation will be held Monday, May 4th from 1 to 3 p.m. at Hamilton's on Westtown Parkway and with a private burial at Iowa's Veterans Cemetery. We kindly ask you to be mindful of your time greeting the family, as we must work within the COVID-19 restrictions. Donnie was born on September 3, 1956, in Des Moines, to Gene Hope Squares and Donald E. Archer, Sr. He attended Southeast Polk High School and joined the U.S. Army, serving the Infantry Division. Following the service to his country, Donnie worked in various capacities until joining Chicago Bridge Iron as a steelworker. He retired after 30-plus years of service. Donnie married Rhonda Joyce Slaba on May 3, 2014 at the Des Moines Botanical Center. Donnie enjoyed fishing, bowling, and playing board games, especially cribbage. He was an avid Hawkeyes and Packers fan. Memorials may be directed to the family, and condolences may be expressed at hamiltonsfuneralhome.com. Darlene Lucille Kern and Donald Francis Kern. Darlene Lucille Kern and Donald Francis Kern died two hours apart at Bishop Drum Care Center in Johnston. They were married for 74 years. Darlene died at the age of 94 on April 24th and her husband at her side. Don was 99 and died on April 25th. Darlene was born in Washington on February 12th, to Bertha Young and Harold William Young. She attended Washington Public Schools and graduated from Washington High School in 1994. She worked as a sales associate at McLean's Department Store in Washington during her high school years and after graduation. Don was born in Iowa City on September 17, 1920, to Helen Elizabeth Kern and Anthony William Kern. The family moved to Richmond where and when Don was three. He attended Holy Trinity Catholic School and graduated from Kelowna High School in 1938. Don served the U.S. Army Air Corps in 1942 to 1945. After specialized training in the U.S. Army, he was stationed in Norwich, England as a B-17 bomber mechanic. Upon his return, He and his brother, Cletus, worked their parents' farm in Richmond. Darlene and Don were married at the Holy Trinity Rectory in Richmond on March 9, 1946. They had three children. In 1952, the Kerns moved their farm from Wellman, where in 1958, Don purchased a John Deere Implement dealership. The family moved to Indianola in 1962, where Don owned and operated Don Kern Implement. Darlene served as the bookkeeper for both businesses. Don later assumed management of Genesser Implement. After his retirement in 1972, he spent countless hours working on his farm near Indianola. He was an avid fisherman, reader, and lover of travel. He was known for his lively sense of humor. Darlene earned certification in school food service management from Iowa State University. For 12 years she worked in the food service for the Indianola Public Schools and became cafeteria manager and head cook at Indianola Middle School. She was a member of St. Thomas Aquinas Catholic Church and was an avid baker, gardener, and bridge player. She was known for her love of children. The couple traveled throughout the United States and to other countries, including China. They spent many winters in Arizona. Since 2016, Darlene and Don had made their home at Bishop Drum Retirement Center. Both will be remembered for their devotion to family and their welcoming home. The family wishes to thank the Veterans Administration health professionals, Wesley Life and Suncrest Hospice Care, the dedicated staff at Bishop Drum Care Center, and Samantha Mashrida and Twong at Martina Place for their compassionate care. Don and Darlene will be interned at the Iowa Veterans Cemetery at a later date. Memorials and memories and condolences can be shared at theiowafuneralplanning.com. In lieu of flowers, contributions may also be made to Indianola Public Library or the Food Bank at Helping Hands of Warren County. Herman Hansen MD, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Dr. Herman Hansen, 98, passed away at his home in Colorado Springs on April 24th. He was born on the family farm in Audubon, Iowa, to Herman and Helena Hansen, the fifth of eight children. His father was from Fogberg, Denmark, and his mother from Flansburg, Germany. Herman became a skillful carpenter under the tutelage of his father, taking time off from school to learn his trade, as they traveled together throughout Iowa. Building many homes and upon graduation from Auburn High School in 1941, he took a job with the Atlantic Lumber and Coal Company in Atlantic, construction barns and corn cribs for farmers and doing interior finish for carpentry. While on his break one day, a retirement poster for radio communications training in the U.S. Army caught his eye in the Atlantic Post Office. He took the entrance exam and on the spot and was subsequently trained in radio and pre-radar at the University of Iowa. In 1943, he entered active duty with the U.S. Army Signal Corps at Camp Collier near Sacramento, where he was trained as a pole lineman before being sent to engineering school at the University of San Francisco. He became a physician through a turn of world events and at the behest of the U.S. Army, with World War II raging and the expectation of a prolonged war with a heavy casualty and adequate need of supply of physicians. Enlistees in his unit were asked to take a medical aptitude test. Up to this point, Herman had never considered a career in medicine and, in fact, had only been a doctor once in his life for his military induction physical. He excelled on the test and set his sights on a career as an Army doctor, figuring he could become an orthopedic surgeon because of the similar carpentry. Through the Army Specialized Training Program, he was fast-tracked through pre-med studies at Stanford University. After the war suddenly ended in 1945, he was discharged from the Army and briefly returned to work as a carpenter in Iowa while considering his options. Six months later, he entered the University of Colorado School of Medicine. There, he was inducted into the Alpha Omega Alpha Medicine and Medical Honor Society and was an alumni of the Class of 1949. Upon completing a Rotary and Rotation internship at Fitzsimmons Army Hospital, Dr. Hansen married June Reed on June 29, 1950, at the St. Philomena's Catholic Church in Denver. One month later, he left for the Korean War, where he served as a battalion surgeon for the 2nd Infantry Division, received a bronze star for heroic achievement in the combat zone. He subsequently served at the Presidio of San Francisco, Fort Hood, Texas, Brooke Army Medical Center, and Fort Sam Houston, Texas, the 97th General Hospital in Frankfurt, Germany, and Walter Reed Army Medical Center in Washington, D.C., where he attended the rank of Colonel. Upon choosing a specialty, the Army's greatest need was for anesthesiologists, a field that Dr. Hansen embraced with a plume. He was chief of anesthesiology for Walter Reed from 1967 through 1970. There he directed a residency training program, conducted research in anesthesiology, and published extensively, Caring for former President D. Dwight Eisenhower and Walter Reed, accompanying him from California on Air Force One, were highlights of his Army career. He was also made numerous training films for military medical personnel at the Army Pictorial Center in New York. On retirement from the Army, Dr. Hanson was awarded the Legion of Merit for exceptionally materi- meritorious conduct. In 1970, he joined the Anesthesia Associates in Colorado Springs, and was on the staff of Penrose St. Francis and Memorial Hospitals until his final retirement in 1997. A military honor ceremony at Pikes Peak National Cemetery and celebration of life will take place at a future date. Arrangements have been entrusted to the Swan Loft Funeral Home in Colorado Springs. In lieu of flowers, memorial gifts to the Herman R. Hansen, M.D., Endowed Medical Student Scholarship may be made to the University of Colorado Foundation or to a charity of one's choice. Robert McGregor. Robert McGregor, born November 17, 1952, in Des Moines, went home to be with the Lord on April 29th. A visitation will be from 1 to 6, Tuesday, May fifth, at Ankeny Memorial Funeral Home. A graveside service will be held at 1 p.m., Wednesday, May 6, at Ankeny Memorial Gardens. Carol Grace Atkinson James. Carol Grace Atkinson James, age 80, passed away in Arizona on April twenty second from kidney and heart failure. Carol was born on February 25, 1940, and was raised by her mother, Eva Atkinson, in Sher- Sherrington. She married her high school sweetheart, Don James, in 1958, and they moved to Des Moines to start their life and family. Carol was a supportive wife to Don as he established his career at John Deere and was a devoted mom to their three kids. While family remained her top priority, Carol was also a valued employee at Drake University, Greyhound Lines, and Iowa Realty. Carol welcomed the joy of becoming a grandma to Scott and Sandy's children. Tyler and Tessa James. She had a special talent for entertaining her grandkids with simple pleasures, looking at statues downtown, watching airplanes take off, or going to see a stranger's pet pig. She and Don loved hosting family at their camper in Cuddy's campground, creating many joyful memories. Her family loved recalling Harper dances, hay rack rides, and picnic table dinners on their patio. Carol and Don relished retirement venturing to Apache Junction, Arizona, where they spent winters with their many close friends. They filled their days with explorative car rides, playing games with friends, and sharing meals with their favorite restaurants. Carol enjoyed quilting and reading, an endless supply of books. Carol and Don have always been loyal Hawkeye fans, watching and listening to as many games as possible. Carol will be remembered as a loving wife, mother, grandma, and friend. She was sweet and funny with a talent for putting people at ease. Her youthful energy and curiosity were a source of joy for all who knew her and would be greatly missed. A memorial service will be held at a later date. Daryl Jazz Private services for Daryl Jazz, 84 of Ankeny, formerly of Mason City, were held April 24th at the Lutheran Church of Hope in Ankeny. Family and friends can view the live feed of the service beginning at 10.30 a.m. on Friday on our Facebook page. Olette Pritchiebucker, Thomas Funeral Home and Cremation Care. A Celebration of Life service will be held at a later date when all family and friends can be together and honor a life well lived. Memorial donations may be made to the Lutheran Church of Hope the cupboard and sent to his daughter, Brenda Hempstead. Darrell passed away April 20th at the age of 84. He will be greatly missed by many. Georgia Huron. Georgia Ann Garvey Huron, 83 of Des Moines died Tuesday, April 28th. She was born June 7th, 1936 in Eagle Center to George Edmond and Mary Ruth Kelly Garvey. She was the eldest of 10 kids and raised two sons. She worked as a secretary and in retail and sales for various companies until she retired. She was an active church member and volunteer for many charities. The family would like to thank the staff at Iowa Methodist Hospital and Fleur Heights Nursing Home for their wonderful care of Georgia. Her body has been cremated and in keeping with the governor's executive order during COVID-19 health crisis, a private family graveside service will be held at St. Afonis Cemetery in Mount Pleasant with Father Paul Conley officiating. We'll continue with Anita Mandelbaum. Formerly of Des Moines, Anita Mandelbaum, a longtime Des Moines businesswoman and civic leader, died Monday, April 27th in Boulder, Colorado at the age of 83. The cause was sepsis. Anita will be remembered by many as one of the city's first professional women, joining the accounting firm of Cooper's and Librand in 1975, when she was already raising four children as a single mother. She rose to become a partner in charge of the firm's tax practice in Des Moines, the first woman to lead a tax practice anywhere in the US at what was then one of the country's largest accounting firms. Yet she struggled to land that job or any job, despite graduating from Drake University, the triple major, and the top grade point average. She had also completed over 80 hours of postgraduate work while working full-time as a secretary of the Bankers of Life company, now the principal financial group. Quote, I later found out a couple of the firms said they couldn't hire me because I had all these children, end quote. I needed to the Des Moines Register in 1991. Quote, another partner in the firm, said he'd hire me, but I'd have to lie about my age. It was a very different world. Today, they don't say those things. Among the obstacles she faced, she was not allowed entry into the private clubs where men conducted their business. Eventually, Anita became the first female president in the Des Moines club. It promptly had it redecorated. Anita made sure to provide the young women who worked for her the sort of mentoring that had been unavailable to her. In the late 90s, when she moved to Washington, D.C. to serve as director for the National Tax for Cooper and Libran and its successor, Coopers, she took Lisa side with them, then a recent college graduate under her wing. Quote, I had never met a woman so confident and determined, always putting on her lipstick before meetings, jangling her many large bracelets to make a point to the men, recalls Miss Sidebloom, now an informational systems director for a major law firm in New York. More than once, I thought, Anita, just stop poking the bear. But that wasn't her. The more stories she told me, I soon realized that she and women like her made it possible for me to grow up and genuinely believe I could do anything. I still secretly giggle when I don't put lipstick on before a meeting. Despite the challenges and long hours of working as a woman in what was then so clearly a man's world, Anita found time to take on a host of volunteer leadership roles. She was the second woman to serve as the Temple Benai's Jeshurun president and sat on the boards of Drake University, the Chamber of Commerce, and the local chapters of several national charities. She was treasurer and board member of the Des Moines Symphony, which allowed her to combine her professional skills with one of great pleasures, classical music. She was especially fond of Beethoven. Anita was born in 1936 in Kansas City, Kansas, to Mary, a homemaker, and Harry Abrams, a pharmacist. Anita and her brother Alan grew up with many aunts and uncles and cousins and Anita remained close to much of her Kansas City connections throughout her life. She met Maury Mandelbaum at Des Moines while they attended the University of Colorado in Boulder. They're married in 1957, and their friends remember Anita as an especially lively presence in the lively social circle. Over the years, she cultivated an ever-widening circle of friends in Kansas City, Des Moines, Washington, Boulder, and beyond. Almost universally, they remember her for her keen intelligence, her gifts for conversation, and for dressing the part. Anita and Maury divorced in 1972. Anita raised four children who serve and survive her and are grateful for the opportunities she provided. The family wishes to thank the staff at Belfer Senior Living of Louisville, Colorado, for providing such good care of Anita over the last two and a half years. Anita was buried Friday, May 1st, at Woodland Cemetery in Des Moines. The family will hold memorial service in Des Moines when they say to do so. Memorial contributions can be made to the Mandelbaum Leadership Development Fund at Temple benign Jerusalem, in Des Moines and to Planned Parenthood North Central States. Norman Reeves Norman Reeves, born April 21st, 1936, to Harold and Berdina Reeves in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, passed away at Ramsey Village in Des Moines on April 25th. A celebration of life and burial at Iowa's Veterans Cemetery will be held at a future date. Carolyn R. Hall Carolyn Ruth Hall of Des Moines passed away on Monday, April 27th. She was 92 years old. A celebration of life will be announced on Facebook at a later date. Carolyn, or Ruth, as her Peeville family called her, was born May 26, 1927, to Tommy and Ruby Richards of Pleasantville. She was the third youngest of nine children and graduated from Pleasantville High School. After graduation, she moved to Des Moines, where she met the love of her life, Russell Hall. Russ and Carolyn were married for 56 years and raised six children. Carolyn worked for Doll's Foods, retiring after 27 years. Memorial gifts can be directed to the family or made to Unity Point Hospice of Des Moines. Lerone Reuger Lerone Reuger, 86, passed away peacefully at his home on Saturday, April 25th. Memorial Mass will be held at a later date at St. Teresa Catholic Church in Des Moines. Burial will be at Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Omaha, Nebraska. Brandon Boger. Brandon Bogger, 25, passed away at home Tuesday, April 21st. Brandon was born in Des Moines, December 1994. His early arrival first demonstrated his zest for life. Brandon grew up in Ankeny. He always had a strong love of family and being outside whenever possible. Brandon's never-say-die, never-quit attitude served him well. He kept busy working, studying, volunteering, spending time with loved ones, and fighting cancer. Brandon embraced his role as an uncle, and his devotion was obvious. Although cancer defined a lot of Brandon's life, a physical body over the past 10 years, it did not define its character. Through every big and small health setback, every obstacle placed in his way, Brandon's spirit did not waver. He remained strong, smart, funny, humble, and optimistic self. Brandon was the living embodiment of fortitude and inspired all who knew him. In the way that Brandon lived and fought cancer, he taught so many so much. Memorial contributions can be directed to Make-A-Wish of Iowa, Elton Johnson Elton Johnson of Indianola, passed away at the age of 85, peacefully, on April 29th. A funeral mass and visitation will be held at a later date when concerns and precautions over COVID-19 have lifted. More contributions may be made in his name to the family for a contribution at a later date. Michael J. Petty Michael J. Petty died of pneumonia Tuesday, April 28th, at Kavanaugh House in Des Moines. He was 57 years old. Mike was born August 28, 1962, the youngest of three children, to Earlene and Walt Petty. In Los Angeles, California. He moved to Iowa with his family when he was six years old. He graduated from Ruby Van Meter School in 1984, then returned to California and attended Fresno Community College. In 1994, he settled back in Des Moines where he lived more than 25 years at Mosaic, a group home for developmentally disabled adults. If there was a secret to life whispered to Mike when he was born, was probably this, here is the world, beautiful and terrible things will happen, don't be afraid. Frederick Brushen Despite the limitations of cerebral palsy since birth, Mike rolled through life with curiosity and courage. He possessed a dry wit, offered matter-of-fact observations about people, and pursued his interests with inexhaustible vigor. Throughout his life, Mike pursued two passions with particular intensity music, and game shows. Collecting nearly 1,000 vinyl LPs and 45s, he could match any song to its band, album title, and release year with ease. He regularly attended live concerts, his favorite being Rod Stewart. Mike never missed an episode of The Price is Right and Wheel of Fortune. Nothing interfered with his game show schedule, ever, even in his final days. One of Mike's treasured experiences was when he went to see a live taping of The Price is Right with Bob Barker, met the famous game show host, and came home with the prize autograph photo. Among other favorites, Mike loved M&Ms, ripping the paper from presents on his birthdays and holidays, Special Olympics wheelchair races, and money. He stockpiled money given to him as gifts and the profits he made running Mosaic's canteen so he could buy concert tickets. A memorial service will be planned at a later date. In lieu of flowers, memorial contributions can be made in Mike's name to Mosaic Central Iowa. Kenneth Johnson. Kenneth Johnson of 85 passed away Tuesday, April 28th. He was born May 8th, 1934 in Truro. Kim has donated his body to the University of Iowa. Kim was a Korean War veteran and a retired postal employee of 34 years. Thoughts and prayers are appreciated. No donations, please. Memorial services are pending at a later date. Peter Anthony Armatus. Peter Anthony Armatus, 54, born November 11, 1965, in Omaha, Nebraska, passed away from COVID-19 complications on April 1st at Spotsvania Regional Medical Center in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Devoted husband of 28 years and devoted father, he would be missed by many. Peter began his childhood in Clinton Township, Michigan, in 1976, moved to Des Moines, Iowa. He graduated from Valley High School in West Des Moines in 1983. After high school, Peter enlisted in the Navy and subsequently attended the University of Mississippi, where he received a B.A. in marketing. He participated in Navy ROTC and was commissioned as a Navy officer in 1989. Peter's years of military service led to service in Operation Desert Storm on the USS San Jacinto, on the USS Arleigh Burke, and as a flag aide in New Orleans. Peter was honorably discharged from active duty in 1997 and served several years in the Navy Reserves, including several. Time overseas after 9/11 in the civilian world, Peter excelled in various professional capacities, working with defense contracting and federal government consulting. His co-workers described him as a dynamic leader, mentor, and motivator who truly cared about everybody. Outside of work, Peter's compassions and passions were endless. He had a great appreciation of music, was the DJ for old Miss First alternative radio station and had a playlist spanning from Randy Travis to Wilco. An avid outdoorsman and sports enthusiast, he loved Ole Miss football, the St. Louis Cardinals, the Washington Capitals, and Chelsea FC. He was a lifetime golfer, tactical billiards player, and he would never turn down a glass of fine bourbon or craft beer. In recent years, Peter brought his leadership and passion to Fredericksburg Football Club as a youth soccer coach. Whenever he was in whatever he was doing, Peter loved to connect with people. He was the life of the party and never met a stranger. Most importantly, Peter was a family man. Quote-unquote, family is everything, he would often say. He delighted his children's successes and loved spending time at home watching British Mysteries, playing pool, and video games. Peter cherished his time with Jacob, the golf course, and coaching Will's team on the soccer pitch. Each year, he made time to visit his sunshine, Olivia, at Ole Miss to eat barbecue and catch up on football. It is difficult to imagine a world without its charisma and big heart. Full military burial and memorial service will be held at Quantico National Cemetery at a later date to be announced. In lieu of flowers, the family requests support for Armistice Children Education Fund. Cara Lee Sink Phillips, Lee Sink Phillips, fifty-six of Des Moines, passed away peacefully at Taylor Hospice House on April twenty-third, with her loving husband Ricky by her side. Born November twenty-ninth, nineteen sixty-three, in Des Moines, the youngest of four children of Jack and Patricia Sink, she grew up in the Beaverdale and South of Grand areas of Des Moines. During this time, she made lifelong friendships with many of her classmates. She graduated from Roosevelt High School in 1982 and attended the University of Iowa. Carol worked for the family business, Sink Paper Company, for many years and later worked as an office manager for several businesses after moving to Ohio. Over the years, she and her family enjoyed many cross-country trips in the Plymouth Fury station wagon, which later became infamous for many high school capers. Carol loved animals, particularly cats, from the family Cat Tuna to her beloved Otis, Whitley, Max, and New Kitten Tank. Everyone to be involved and give back to the community, she volunteered for many Court Avenue festivals and enjoyed sailing with Captain Billy at the Sailorville Lake. Then in a chance meeting of misdirection mail, Carol met her husband Rick, the love of her life, and enjoyed twenty-five years together. After she and Rick moved to Westerville, Ohio, in true Carol fashion, she quickly made many close friends. She loved traveling and exploring new places with friends and family, including trips to Ireland, Italy, England, and many others, and also took annual trips to Florida with Rick. An avid tennis fan, she attended professional tennis tournaments with her mother, who also shared her love of tennis. Most of all, she loved a good party with good friends, good food, and good glasses of wine. Carol had a true passion for cooking and for bringing people together. She was loved and loyal to family and friends and was a gracious host, much like her mother. Her quick wit, smile, and insightful zingers, kindness, were loved by all who knew her. A private family borough is scheduled and a celebration of life will occur at a later date. The family would like to extend a special thanks to the staff of Taylor Hospice House for the compassionate care of Carol. Memorial contributions may be made to Taylor Hospice House of Des Moines. Dennis D. Boston. Dennis D. Boston was born to Alvin and Vivian Lynn Boston on December 20th, 1941 in rural Dallas County, passed away from complications from a stroke on May 1st in Des Moines. Private family services are planned. Dennis graduated from Adele High School in 1959. He worked as a welder at John Deere from 1961 to 1995. Lauren Dudley. Lauren Wayne Dudley, 85, passed away Thursday, April 30th at his home in Des Moines. Lauren was born February 16, 1935, in Carpenter, South Dakota, to Charles and Viola Dudley. He graduated from Raymond School in Raymond, South Dakota. He worked as a service manager and mechanic in heavy construction during his working years. Warren was a veteran of the U.S. Air Force and enjoyed his dogs, Max, and Bea. There will be a private graveside service for family at Rising Sun Cemetery. Dean Stahl. Dean Stahl, 90, of Eckhart, passed away April 28th. A memorial service will be held at a later date. Dean was born August 30, 1929 on a farm near Grimes. Thus began what would be his life's occupation. He graduated from Ankeny High School, class of 1947. He served in the Korean War from 1952 to 1954. He married Ruth E. Law in 1958, and they started married life on the farm where Ruth was born and where he continued to live after her death in 2015. They raised three children along with uncountable quantities of grain and livestock. He spent the rest of his life involved in farming. All will mourn the space in their lives where he used to be. Roger Stowell, 69. Roger Stowell passed away April 21st. He was born in Winterset. Roger received advanced education in computer programming and accounting. He then relocated to the Des Moines area for the rest of his life and retired from Waldinger Corporation after many years of service in their IT department. Roger served the Iowa National Guard and was very active in the Iowa Brittany Club. He loved hunting, training, field trailing, showing and learning about the above mentioned dogs and helped them to achieve numerous titles. Roger loved his many friends as well And was famous for his constant teasing and kidding them. Nobody was exempt. He was also the first one to help a friend in need. Roger will be sorely missed by all. Due to the current COVID situation, graveside services will be held at West Haven Cemetery, followed by a celebration of life, both at a later date. Everyone will be advised. And that brings us to Dear Abby. Our first letter, Dear Abby, I'm part of a couples group that gets together on a regular basis for dinner. The problem is, one of the women takes over the conversation, and it becomes her monologue. She just won't stop. She goes into minute detail about every aspect of her life for the last couple of weeks, or months, or years. In the labs of her family, friends, friends of family, and friends of friends, these are people we don't know and don't care about. We have tried to redirect the conversation by asking someone else a specific question Before they can hardly comment, she jumps right in again. She's a nice person and a friend. Can you suggest a kind way we can fix this? Or do we have to just exclude them from these dinners? Signed, Ears Hurting in Ohio. Dear Ears Hurting, The woman may not realize how her efforts to be entertaining are perceived by the rest of you. Someone, possibly you, has to summon up the courage to tell her how off-putting her monologues are. It may not be easy conversation to have, but it would be better than excluding her with no explanation. If, however, she is unable to change her behavior, the solution would be to stop inviting her. Our next letter, Dear Abby, I just turned 51 and have been diagnosed with cancer for the second time. Why is it that when I tell someone I have cancer, their first response is to tell me about every person in their life who has had cancer and all the gloomy stories? One family member actually pulled out pictures to show me her son-in-law's hair growing back. Why do they think this is appropriate? It's the last thing I want to hear. It is difficult to remain positive, and I struggle with letting people in. The more this happens, the more I shut down. Your thoughts? Signed, Trying in Salem, Massachusetts. Dear Trying, It might help to remind yourself that these individuals may be trying to show you they identify with what you and their relatives have experienced family member who showed you the picture may have thought she was being encouraging by showing you how positive outcome that after chemo your hair may grow back. If someone starts a conversation along these lines, it is perfectly acceptable to tell the person you would rather not discuss the subject right now or ever. Please don't allow the fact that some people are inappropriate to isolate you. As I am sure you are aware, there are cancer support groups in which you can receive emotional support. If you need to find one, Visit cancer.org. In our last letter, Dear Abby, I have a friend, Bill, and every day I give him three or four cigarettes. I never ask him for money, but this has been going on for a long time. Bill keeps saying he will buy me a carton, but he's been saying this for five months now. I gave him $50 for his birthday and again at Christmas time. I'm tired of giving. How can I end the vicious cycle? Signed Michael in New Jersey. Dear Michael, in the words of the late Nancy Reagan, just say no. You are being given a great opportunity to quit smoking. Take it. And that brings us to the end of today's reading of the Des Moines Register for Sunday, May 3rd. You can hear this show again at 6 p.m. and again at 1 a.m. Recordings are available on our website, iowaradioreading.org. All material heard on IRIS is intended for the use of Iowans who are print-disabled. If you have any questions or comments, give us a call at 515-243-6833. You can also call toll-free from anywhere in Iowa, 1-877-404-4747. Once again, we want you to know that our programming schedule has changed, so that we can get as much local information to as many listeners as possible. The 4Dogs Messenger will be read at 7 a.m. Monday through Friday. The Mason City Globe Gazette will be read at 8 a.m., 7 days a week. Your Des Moines Register will continue to be read at 9 a.m. to noon. The Cedar Rapids Gazette will be read at noon, 7 days a week. The Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier will be read at 1 p.m., 7 days a week. The Dubuque Telegraph Herald will be read at 2 p.m., Monday through Friday. The Council Bluffs Daily Nonparel will be read at 3 p.m., Monday through Friday. The Sioux City Journal will be read at 4 p.m. seven days a week. The Ames Tribune will be read at 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. The Midway Shopping Card will be read each Wednesday at 9 p.m. We will stay with this schedule until further notice. I'm your reader Gloria DeFoley. It's been a pleasure to read for you today. Stay tuned for today's reading of the Cedar Rapids Gazette and thank you for listening to your iris. I was first and only radio reading service.